1: KB,
0: Welcome in, Browns fans. It's your host, Jake Burns. We are live with another episode of the OBR Film Breakdown, where I think we're going to have a guest that you guys will like. I I think uh, his name is Thor Nystrom. He writes for NBC Sports, does a lot of their draft content. I'm trying to get as many perspectives on this draft as I can. I'm not trying to overkill it, but I think it's important sometimes to get... And I address this with Thor, you know, a national perspective on some of these guys that that sometimes we all talk about them from a Cleveland perspective and by nature we kind of spin it as positively as we can. I try to put weaknesses, things to be concerned about as far as projection fit and things like that in my film rooms, but it's nature for us to, to only look at the positive. And then when you get more of that national perspective, you get a little bit more honesty. They're not afraid of necessarily hurting somebody's feelings. They try to grade all 32 teams on the same scale. They you get a little bit more perspective on this whole thing. So I wanted to bring in Thor to talk. I'm not going to have a ton more people talk about the draft class, but this is one that I was important. He gave the Browns an A-plus grade, and I wanted to talk to him about why specifically he did so and he gave the Browns the fifth best undrafted free agent class grade which I think is also important to understand he has some good insight on Marvin Wilson some things we've heard some things we haven't I think Marvin Wilson has a real chance to be a key part of this entire collective rookie group uh even though he wasn't drafted I think he could be important so uh should be good I will warn you ahead of time some little laggy parts of this happened uh through Skype it's just an unfortunate side effect of the system and then we do go off on a tangent. On the very end, Thor is notorious for doing NCA 14 dynasties. I do an NCAA 14 dynasty. So when we start talking about that, the podcast is effectively over if you have zero interest, which is most of you, 99% of you have zero interest in NCA 14 video game on the old system's specifically playstation 3 xbox 360 which uh you know thor and myself do it's an interesting topic if you care about it or you care about the return of the ea sports video game we do some discussion there too so again that's like 15 minutes at the end we got a little wild, got out in the weeds on that one so uh check it out if you can uh if you're not interested shut the pot off at that point you have uh you have covered everything browns related in this uh, in this topic so i do hope you guys enjoy thanks for listening to this one let's get over to our interview all right, Thor. I'm pumped to have you on, man. Thanks again. I, I want to talk about what your opinion is, specifically of the the Browns' draft. We all in, in in Cleveland, the the market here of Cleveland, and all these different angles and different media folks try to spin it the way we do. And I think sometimes it's more refreshing to get a national opinion on this thing because you you tend to put things in a, I would say a more honest perspective. If it's bad, they call it bad and don't worry about backlash. If it's good, they're you know typically are. Are pretty honest about it, so I'm, I'm curious what you think. What you think of what Andrew Barry and company were able to do in this year's draft?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll say two things in, in in advance. Number one, I've I've graded plenty of Browns drafts bad in the past, and number two, I grade on a curve when I when I grade the draft classes, which means that I give out two Fs and two A pluses every year, and then everyone else falls in between. This year, I actually ended up giving three A pluses because. The Browns got one, uh, and then Denver and Chicago got one. I, I thought they had one of the, the best drafts in the NFL, obviously. And then is you know when they went to the end of the UDFA's, um, the Browns didn't have the, the best class outside of their top guy, but they got the best UDFA, you know, in, in of the whole bunch in Marvin Wilson, a guy that I thought should have been drafted in the third round. So I I just thought the Browns killed it this year. Yeah,
0: I, you talk about Marvin Wilson. What do you what do you kind of attribute the, the fall off for I've had some people on people specifically cover Florida State uh, who have talked about it but in your opinion you third round graded him so where's the big discrepancy in what he was able to do and you know he was obviously labeled a first round guy pretty much ahead of last year's draft coming back you know and I, I think everybody is still curious about you know what I guess it's a two-part question what about him caused the slip and what about him do you think launches him back into a spot where he, he earns a roster spot in Cleveland
1: well, so there's a couple of things, right? Like he was the, um, he was the class's best interior, uh, defender between 2018 and 2019. And, and by the way, it wasn't particularly close cause he was, um, you know, as far as college football goes, like if you look at the PFF grades, he had above a 90 PFF grade in both of those seasons. Um, I don't know of another, there may have been one other interior guy in 18 and 19 that did it both years, but there might not have been, there certainly was not in this class. So he was utterly dominant uh, those two seasons and he was utterly dominant in high school too. Like he, he had almost 50 sacks. He was a five-star recruit. Like, and then he went into college and he, and he you know, like he, he exceeded or surpassed expectations. Um, the, the, you know, there's, there's different theories about why he fell, but I, I can just give you the three, um, you know, main uh, culprits, which is number one, he ought to have opted opted out in 2020. Like a lot of people around him did. It's it's strange to say that a player was hurt by not opting out, but such was the strange season of, of 2020 and the strange draft class and whatnot. It turns out that if Marvin Wilson had opted out, I mean, you know, he would have he certainly would have gotten drafted. I, I think he, he's even a mid round pick, if, if, you know, if he opts out and as and as soon as a you know as early as a as a day two pick. Um, so you know, like he plays. And then you know the narrative is that he had like it was just a terrible season. Well, what happened was he played six games, and then he suffered a, a season-ending in- injury. I'll return to the season-ending injury because that's we got to talk about that in a second. But it, in the six games he played, basically early on, he had three abysmal games where the, those are the one; those are the real head scratchers. There were three games where he just was not a factor. Um, he just wasn't doing anything. He, he's just a dude. Um, but like, uh, you know, of the, he, in the other three of the six that he played, um, he was a real factor. So like, you know, for me, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you, you know, the people that say, Oh, you know, he was awful in 2020. It's like, well, he had three bad games. You know what? One of the other games he had, uh, he had two blocked field goals. And then, uh, there was a blocked extra point later on where Georgia tech flat out said after the game, like, we sent too many blockers at Marvin Wilson because we didn't want him to block another kick. And then later in the season, he blocked a punt. And then, you know, th- those are irrespective of his last two games, which on defense, his second to last game of, of last season um, was was a dominant game. It was, that was vintage uh, Marvin Wilson. And then before his injury against Louisville, he had a, he had a TFL as well. So I, I think he was heating back up. Um, you know, I'm not really sure what happened with him at the beginning of the season. You know, like you know, I think um, you know, there's there's some idea that he came in out of shape, so that you know, and and certainly then you know that would have played into some of the the character stuff. But just to speak in a little bit more depth of the the two bigger ones, um, so the the injury thing I mentioned the the season-ending injury he's had like three or four now. Um, you know, different injuries, and the knee is what people are concerned about. So, like, that, that's that been the leading, you know, when people toss out theories that, you know, you know they'll say, oh, you know, I, I heard he didn't get drafted because of that. I, I call BS on that. Uh, we have seen players that are far more injured, you know, that, that have had far more of an injury rap sheet than, Mar- than Marvin Wilson that are confirmed to be worse off in the moment than Marvin Wilson. Um, that, that, that were drafted in, were dra- you know, like, you know, one, you know, example that comes to mind is Marcus Lattimore, but th- there's been a whole bunch of them, you know, g- like, you know, guys that were like legitimately injured. And there was like a legitimate thought of like, you know, well, this guy, you know, play Maurice Hurst, you know, d- during his draft thing, like the night before it comes all like, Oh, this guy has a heart condition, you know, like, is he ever going to play again? I mean, he still got drafted the real reason that Marvin Wilson went undrafted it, it, this isn't fun to talk about. And I think this is why it's, you know, people are still like, why did he go under, you know? And it, and then it, it goes back to the injury thing. Cause I think the real reason why again, it's not fun to talk about. It's, it's that last year in the off season, after George Floyd died, Mike Norvell, who was new to Florida state at the time, he goes to the media and said, Oh, you know that like, this is so tragic. And, you know, me being new to the team and everything and, you know, trying to build cohesion after I heard about George Floyd's death, I went to every single player individually and had a heart-to-heart conversation with them about George Floyd's passing. And and Marvin Wilson, like later that day, like tweeted out, like, "No, he didn't. He's lying." And and so in, anyway, Wilson got together with a couple other team leaders, and they had, I think, what most people in that circumstance would, especially when you remember how heated it was in that moment you know like culturally and everything a perfectly acceptable response which is we're not working out again as a team until mike norvell apologizes because he clearly just lied and and they'd gone through you know two crappy coaches right before then you know or i suppose just a you know taggart and then um you know like jimbo on the way out he didn't really care now this new coach coming, he's lied about this thing and you know different stuff like that and anyhow i mean norvell did come out and say like yeah i you know he didn't say, you know, he didn't acknowledge lying, but he basically said, I misspoke. You know, I, I, you know, that, that, in, you know, he, it came out as every player, but that's, that's not how he had meant it. Um, and so he apologized and then they, they went back to working out. I think the real reason that Marvin Wilson didn't get drafted is because, because of that, because the NFL is afraid that a player is going to start a mutiny, you know, or whatever. And then also during that time, he talked about how Colin Kaepernick was one of his, was one of his heroes. I, to, to me, it's it's those two things. It's it, you know, the the medical thing and the three bad games. Sure, that's one thing. But again, you compare that to other prospects going back years and years and years. The tape that Marvin Wilson had, it's draftable, even with an enormous amount of risk on the profile and his injuries and and the three bad games. It it didn't do it enough. The thing I think that pushed it over the edge was. Was the thing with Norvell, and then coming out publicly and, and saying we're not working out again unless our coach does X.
0: Well, do you do you view him because that's very similar background to what we've heard on this uh, from another guest is that exact story? Do you let me ask you a bigger question here? Do you view him as a better prospect than Tommy Togiai, or do you think those two are two pretty good gets for the Browns?
1: They're both good gets. I mean, it, you know, I I actually may have had uh, Wilson a little bit higher. Um, so I I think you know just like. You know, I don't have access to Marvin Wilson's, uh, you know, medicals, and I I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night, so <laughs> I, you know, I don't have any special insight into that. But assuming that Marvin Wilson's not like. You know, like, you know, we'll even just say the first four or five years of, of their career, because at this point, it doesn't really matter, you know, as far as the Browns go. It doesn't matter how, how long Marvin Wilson plays. You just got him as a UDFA. You didn't even have to spend a draft pick on him. If you even get two good years out of him, like you're, you know, it's it, it's all gravy. But, you know, if you just compared, you know, you end up like five years from now, com- comparing the first fi- four or five years, uh, him against against guy, um, assuming that the injuries don't don't wreck uh, Wilson. I, I think that he's got a real shot to have a better career. Absolutely. Um, they're both players that win with power. Um, Togia is a really interesting guy because his his game does not fit his body at all. Like he, he's got the body. Or I'm, I'm sorry. He's got the game of like one of those 350 pound, just boulder kind of a guys, but he's like 305, you know, but like, it's, it's all just like. End up strength, like he's like this little Hulk guy, you know. It's he's just impossible to move him, and his bull rush is very formidable. And so everything sort of flowers off of that. You, you got to teach him the rest, but he's he's got a couple special uh, sauce traits, you know. You know they're the, the flower off the the strength, and then Wilson's thing. It's always been about uh, the strength, the hands. And then the torque, the, the the power that he can get, uh, you know, he gets his meat cleavers into people and he can just start tossing offensive linemen around. N- no running back is going to stop him w- once he gets past it, you know, the offensive lineman, And it was really tough in the ACC to block him one-on-one. Makai Becton couldn't do it. You know, 375-pound Makai Becton, he was throwing him around. Uh, Marvin Wilson threw around a lot of future NFL uh, players. The, the, the other th- point I want to mention about Marvin Wilson is, you know, his his issue is 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 the knees. And again, you know, I mean, perhaps it it cleaves a couple years off the end of his career. But again, keep in mind what we're talking here, like, you know, with with rookies, it's generally like how much value are you extracting out of that first contract? You know, that's that's where the true special sauce is The the, the cheat code of the NFL right now is getting a, a, a rookie quarterback on, uh, or a starting quarterback on, on the rookie deal. You know, and so like when when we talk about rookies, it's for me, you know, when we talk about draft picks, it's not trying to pretend that we know what's going to happen six, seven, eight, nine years down the road. We don't know with any of these kids. Um, but I think during that, you know, the, the span of, you know, what would be that first contract or whatever, um, that's where I I think Marvin Wilson is going to provide a ton of value and he doesn't have to provide much value to, to give the Browns more than they, they gave up to get them.
0: Yeah. It's particularly what we're excited about over this way is the fact that, uh, you know, even if he just is an active participant on this, right? It's a position of need. He's got every opportunity. First of all, they they letting Sheldon Richardson go and and presenting themselves with some options in there with Andrew Billings and and uh, Malik Jackson. But they want young guys to to seize those roles. And he is uh, he is a guy that they placed a lot of faith in because they think he can be something. So your insights there are invaluable to people trying to understand just how good he can be or, or potentially be for, for, I would even say the immediate for 2021. So it's going to be the position to watch at camp. Real quick though, where are you
1: on uh, the Greg
0: Newsome JOK picks? You liked them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as, as far as those go, yeah, I mean, the, the value on, on both those picks was, was great. And also, you know, like the, we'll just talk about the Newsome one first, you know, obviously it was a, a four man uh, cornerback class. Not only was that a good pick and, and and by the way, I, I should preface this first by saying I think I was a bit lower on Newsom than the rest of the industry. There was a couple things about his profile that concerned me just a little bit. I baked in just a little bit more risk. But even then, and I put him CB4, a lot of people in the industry had him CB3. In fact, you know, probably the, the you know 75 percent or more. Um, but even then. I had Newsom ranked above the slot that he went by any metric The the value there was tremendous. Not only that you sniped a couple teams behind you. I, I think green Bay um, in particular was absolutely fuming um, right there. And then they turned her out and made that, that joke of a, of an Eric Stokes pick, you know, which I, th- I think they just reached cause I think they panicked. It was like, you know, I think for them, they were, it was either it's, they were like, we're either going to get Greg Newsome or we're going to get Rashad Bateman. It's going to be a great first round. And then they go bang, bang right in front of them. They're like, crap. <laughs> um, so, you know, but yeah, like it, you know, and, and just, you know, for Browns fans, the, the, the thing that, um, and I don't want to like, you know, concerning you guys too much because he was one of the college football's uh, best cornerbacks last year. Northwestern had a top three pass defense and they played some, some really good uh, pass offenses, uh, just a dominant pass defense. But um, a, a couple things, and these are not n- things that negate at all. Um, but they're, they were just things again that, that I baked in just slightly more risk, uh, which is the the two seasons before Newsom started, um, you know, in, in 18 and 19, he was not nearly as good in, in, in in those two seasons. Then in 2020, he gave up less than a hundred yards total. Like it was like Newsom Island. Like they weren't even, you know, thrown at him, you know, but by the end of the season was just shutting people down or whatever. Northwestern runs his own defense. That's the reason why early in the process, people weren't sure what Newsom's athletic profile was. It's not because we knew that he was slower. We knew that he couldn't move. It was because Northwestern, this, this zone, this zone coverage defense that they have, it's, the reason that they have that is because Northwestern typically doesn't get Greg Newsome type cornerbacks. Typically, they have to, um, you know, th- they have to defend Ohio State type passing offenses and they have to do so with athletes that aren't as good as the athletes are going up against. So, you know, instead of covering man to man, they they put them in little patches of grass, you know, to protect them. Um, but it turns out that that Newsom, you know, so, so what I was saying with that is like Newsom, we never got to see him running long, you know, you know, keeping mm-hmm. up with dudes. You know, we didn't get to see it a lot. Didn't get to see him a lot turning side to side, you know, with, with you know, with so many man coverage, etc. cetera. Um, but he proved at his pro day that that he was that that great athlete G- going back to the thing that, you know, again, n- not not anything that, that disqualifies him or anything, but uh, the jump in 2020. Um, he, Greg Newsom basically didn't face any competition outside of David Bell from Purdue uh, all season. Like you, you go receiver by receiver in the Ohio State game. That was the game in the Lave, and and you know where, and Newsom got hurt right away um, in that game at like 10, 10 snaps in or so, and then he didn't play against Auburn. And so my concern is that you know, he was in this just awesome zone defense, you know, top three overall pass defense, and that's when he jumped up a bit. They also had a little slot corner that nobody's ever heard of that in half as many snaps as as Newsom actually had a higher grade and a lower uh, QB rating allowed on targets than Newsom did. Again, this is, you know, in no way disqualifying, but when when there's players that have the one-year jump up, like Zach Wilson, for instance, you know, I always get concerned about that when, when there's not as much, um, of the competition there. However, all that stuff being said, he's a su- super smart kid, very heady. Um, you know, th- the experience is there and the athletic profile is there, it, it, you know, it as well. So, you know, once you got to that point in the first round, even though I just gave that long soliloquy, once you got to that spot in the first round, the juice is so worth the squeeze because I, you know, that th- I am super nitpicking with Newsom there because Newsom is a 90 90- plus percentile athlete at cornerback uh, with a really good uh, physical package who just came off an absolutely dominant season at the highest level, right, in the Big Ten, and they played in the, the Big Ten title game and, you know, everything like that. Um, like, the, when you talk about the guys below him, why it was a four-cornerback class, y- you go to guys that have much bigger uh, question marks, like like things that are, have been recurring things where it's like, we don't know if this will ever – you know, like those sorts of things. So, you know, as far as where they got him, I don't think the Cleveland could have envisioned that Greg Newsom would be there. So, you know, I I give a big thumbs up on that. And then, as far as the second round, uh, moving up to get Wu, I love that. I I mean, Wu should have gone in the first round. Um, you know, like we we found out afterwards, the reason he fell was because of you know a, a heart thing. And again, I'm. I'm not a doctor, but I, you know, like in the moment, I was stunned that that he had not gone in the first round. You know, I, I was I was messaging people, calling around because it it did not make sense in the moment. It's like, um, you know, that kid is a first round talent, and so, um, you know, and you know, j- just as far as you know, if if it's you know, this, it's like going back to the Wilson thing, but like if it's, it, you know, as long as he's able to have a fully fleshed out career, um, you're gonna have a guy who can nullify uh, mismatches, you know, like, like Kyle Pitts is going to create somebody, uh, it's not just the, the, the mismatches, like with the guy he's across from, he changes the whole spacing of the field and, you know, and all this sorts of stuff that, you know, that benefits his teammates and stuff like that. Wu is a guy that can erase stuff like that. Uh, he erases a lot of problems. You can just think of him as a guy who he's got like a mop and any, any sort of spill on the defense, he's running around, he's cleaning it up. Um, you know, in the box at Notre Dame, sideline to sideline, he was smoking everyone. He's the hardest hitter in the class. Um, I mean, like, th- he's such a hard hitter that Pete Sampson, the Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic, did a story where he came up, he he, he tried to solicit an equation for to, to explain the force of Wu's hits, and there was actually a professor of you know, Bath-Baddock's at the Naval Academy that did it. Um, and so, you know, that's where you're getting there. And then in the slot, he's awesome. He's even better in coverage, I think, than he is against the run. And so, you know, as, as long as, as as he stays healthy, um, that, that's going to be an unmitigated steal. that He should not have been available to the Browns there.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Any late-round
1: pick you liked that, uh, that caught your eye particularly? I'm not a big fan of LeCount. Um, I, I, I think LeCount's a, a quadruple-A player. I think that um, we talk about things that are disqualifying. I think that his athleticism or lack thereof is, is going to prevent an NFL future. So I didn't see him um, as draftable Felton. It's interesting. Cause he's, he's in a very similar vein, although, you know, just as an offensive player, of course. Um, but the, the reason that I think Felton can stick is because he's, he's very skilled. Um, like, I don't think that LeCount's brain is going to, um, you know, like I, I don't think it's going to be able to, you know, um, you know, usurp his, his lack of athleticism in, in the NFL. Whereas Felton, because of those skills, um, you know, we saw him play um, running back last year at UCLA. And he Actually, um, I, I was sh- I wasn't shocked that he did well, because, again, he, he's a skilled kid. But the fact that he handled that kind of workload when basically he's just a slot receiver, um, that was pretty impressive to me. So he's he's a tough kid, and like you remember, like Lynn Bowden in the previous class, a kid that was like, you know, he was a true slot receiver, but like he was a guy that would, you know, because he, well, first of all, he, he had he had you know disparate skills. He was very skilled, and he was also a team player. Like when his his team needed him to do something else, he did. And so Kentucky's starting quarterback goes down his senior year. Lynn Bowden was a he just became a Wildcat quarterback the the rest of the year and this year Felton moved uh, to running back and, and became that and, and, and did great. Um, I, I just think, you know, for, for him, it's, it's going to be the, the thing that's going to cap him and, and prevent him from going. It's, it, it's that lack of athleticism. I think he can be an okay slot guy. Um, it, even as far as a running back, I, I just like between the tackles, you're always going to be able to get better from, from somebody else. And I don't love his vision either, um, but I do like his hands a lot, um, you know, and, and when, once he gets out in space, that's when he can start moving around and stuff. Um, and so, you know, he, he's a guy I could potentially see sticking perhaps a little bit longer. James Hudson, um, I was a little bit pessimistic on the, the two other guys. I, I like Hudson more. Um, Hudson's a guy that his upside is clearly a long-term NFL starter. I don't know if he gets there. He's certainly not there now. Um, we knew that, you know, going into the – the draft is just going to be a proposition of who wanted to, to take the flyer on him and see if, you know, you'll probably know within a year, you know, if, if he can become a starter, at tackle, but, the the thing about that kid, you know, he started his his career as a ballyhoo defensive tackle prospect at Michigan, and then he ends up, or maybe as an N, uh, interior guy anyway. Um, he ends up, um, you know, transferring to Cincinnati, and then he, you know, moved over, you know, transitioned to offensive tackle and stuff. And the thing you noticed about him there, he's he's extremely raw, yes, but his feet are just so dang light that it's, it, it, it hops off the screen. Uh, you don't see guys that are, you know, that light that are just like, you know, that light on their, their feet, I suppose. The other thing about his game that, uh, um, <laughs> that, uh, made me smile, I guess, is he's also a real, um, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I could say this, but he's a nasty bastard. Um, he, like he plays, he plays hard, but he like, sometimes he skirts that line, a little bit, and against Georgia, um, I believe he got ejected in the bowl game um, because of a late hit, like near the pile and stuff. But he—he's one of those kids who is always looking to hit someone. So, so between the the thing of the light feet in the big package um, of a kid on the perimeter, and then you know that he's a gamer and he has the attitude for it. That's what you're betting on. You know, you know that the tools are there. Um, you know, can the position coach unlock the rest? We'll see, you know, cause he Hudson's very early on his development curve. Um, he's very raw still, you know? So like, you know, initially he's he, he almost assuredly not gonna be able to play, but, um, you know, I, I like the tools. I, I thought he fell a little bit further. Like I, I was a little bit surprised he went, he went there. I, I thought he was going to go a little bit higher. They they're excited about
0: getting him with Bo Callahan. That's for sure about the the development from the raw percep- perspective because the traits line up. Like you said, it's it, it's if you can mold that clay into something negotiable for one of your tackle positions, if you need be, or if Jack Conklin moves on in a zone scheme, they they think that is something that could work. And he could in a pinch, kind of similar to to what Chris Hubbard is able to do as a future swing tackle, but can also bump down and play guard when they need him to. They they hope that's there for him. Let's talk big picture Browns real quick before I let you go. Where are do you view them? Let me. So I'll just kind of put the big question out there. Do you view them as a genuine Super Bowl competitor?
1: That's going to depend on if Mayfield like can even get one toe into the top ten QB thing. You know, like if he can if he can just stay at like QB nine or ten, I think that's when you know he he gets up there. That's that's when it becomes that. But yeah, they're right on the precipice of that for sure. The rest of the roster, like. I've been super impressed with the way that the Cleveland's built this thing up. Like I remember a couple of years ago, well, even last year, um, you know, we would talk a lot about how the offensive line is this big issue and all this sort of stuff. And they, it was just like workman, like, like every off season you saw them like very specifically target um, specifically, you know, one off season, they had their wide receiver off season. Um, you know, the, the offensive line, I guess they went at a couple of different off seasons, but um, they devoted some real resources in, into the areas where they were weak. And, The difference between this Browns administration and some of the ones that we had before is um, these ones, these guys are good at evaluating football players, you know, like they've, they've been able to turn, um, you know, those premium picks into legitimate um, NFL pieces. And I think they did again in this draft i mean you know one of the guys we didn't mention um, another pick that i like anthony schwartz um he was he was one of the – i ranked him 91st and he went in the 91st slot so i i always appreciate when that that lines up but um Ant- anthony schwartz is a guy we talk like every single year you read through all the scouting reports you'll see stuff where it's like world class speed world class speed you'll see it like 20 20 times a year they'll they'll call it, you know 20 different dudes world class speed anthony schwartz is the only dude in the last 5 classes maybe the last 10 classes where the term world-class speed actually applies to, where if you put him on a track with the 25 fastest men on earth, he is not going to embarrass himself. That kid is stupid fast. Um, And, uh, you know, so so he he has that. And then the other thing is his quarterback situation at Auburn was one of the more inconsistent, um, you know, quarterback situations of any of those higher level P5 schools over the last few years, they they started this kid named Bo Nix, and they thought he was going to break through. This this Bo Nix kid just can't throw accurately. Like it's like the the ball's like you know it's like uh, Lelouch, you know, Bull Durham or whatever. Like so like he would have like Schwartz would cook people, and sometimes you know the the ball would be under underthrown or be throwing you know fifteen yards to the left or whatever. Um, Schwartz should have had way more yards in in college um, than he ended up having. And the you know at, at the spot that they got him yet like he's not there as a receiver yet for sure I mean like he, he's just not but um, I I think that there is a contextual argument to be made that um, he would have looked a lot better and and that he is a better player um, than he appeared to be because at Auburn he did not have a quarterback that could facilitate his special sauce his special sauce is legitimate world class speed. Legitimate world-class speed, and he did not have a quarterback that could get him the ball um, consistently. Getting a guy like that at 91, I really like that because you know you talk about like trump card traits. Um, he's got one that no one is ever going to be able. No one is ever catching that kid from behind. You know, and it's it's a field tilting thing. If if they can teach him the skills. And he doesn't even need, he doesn't need to become Jerry Rice or anything. You know, it, it's it's like, and, and and by the way, he doesn't even need to run a full route tree. I'm not even talking about that because he can cook people deep. We just need to, to have him consistently catch the ball downfield, you know, like, because in, in the NFL, he's going to have more uh, company down there so that, you know, they're going to have to, you know, teach him, you know, different skills about, you know, catching the ball over.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: For shoulder, you know, in the bucket and stuff like that. and You know, when a guy's draped over you in contested situations, 50-50 balls, going up for rebounds, pinning guys to your back, using your frame, you know, like, you know, d- different stuff like that, whatever. Um, but outside of that, like the the stuff like to uh, always do with his fast receivers at Alabama, that's the other thing Schwartz could easily do, just streak across the middle and hit him on the hands. That's another thing bonix couldn't do. You know, like you, you hit a kid like that accurately, what's Baker Mayfield best at uh, out of any skill set that he has, intermediate accuracy. If, if you put the ball right there where he doesn't have to slow down at all, the defense is going to be in a lot of problems.
0: Yeah, especially considering that's uh, they like Schwartz enough, and I know it's a it's 91st pick. But that's the, the lone – well, it's not the lone because Demetrius Felton came in and Hudson came in after, but that's the first offseason addition they made to their offense. So they they were really excited about him. And, you know, collectively they spent a lot of assets this, the offseason before on offense, but uh, to 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 make Schwartz your, your key addition uh, in a wide receiver room that desperately needs deep speed – You know, right now, speed. uh, I think I think it speaks volumes to what he is and what he can be and what they hope he can be. So, um, Super Bowl contender—that's a real thing. Thor said it here. If Baker can, if he can get it right, uh, continue to get it right. Like he was, he was pretty right the last half of last year. If he can keep that going, they have a real shot. Before we let you go, through I got to ask you, man. I'm in a 12-team NCAA 14 dynasty league, man. How pumped are you for this next edition in a few years?
1: Oh, nice! Do you got a you got PlayStation? We are an Xbox group. I oh, I saw dang. your PlayStation
0: okay. stuff a dang. while back, and I and I was like, I, I would I would have had
1: go. you in one of my dinos. I I got three of them rolling right
0: now. I'm jealous, man. We we got a good group, twelve guys that we play. Uh, we advance every couple of days, and and uh, makes me feel like I'm in college again a little bit. But we're pretty pumped about that next one. So I wanted to I wanted to, I wanted to see what you had going. You got three of them going. That's impressive, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, as far as the next, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to come back. Um, you know, the, the only frustrating thing is like, it's, it's not coming for a couple of years. So it's like, you know, wake me up when it comes, you know, until then, like I'm good on the old servers. Like we, you know, we have fun, you know, as you know, the, the rosters get updated and, Mm -hmm. and the servers still work and everything like that. So, you know, as long as EA Sports can just you know ensure and guarantee that that the servers for the Xbox and the the, the old PlayStations, the PlayStation Threes, that they don't go down before that new game comes out. If they go down, they're gonna have like you know it's not it's not gonna be a huge, but maybe two hundred men around this this country are gonna be effing <laughs> and irate, and I will be leading them. Um, we, we've had yeah, a couple scares in the last been.
0: year or so about that. You know, I know that you were. You were commenting on it, and ours we had one of our dynasty leagues, and we're getting super nerdy here. So whatever, if the fan, if you leave this pod now, more power to you. But
1: if um, you leave, this on you. This <laughs> is this is where the pod just picked up. We're talking <laughs> NCAA
0: 14. This is
1: this is what the people want. It, is, it should be. It should be. You
0: should be jealous. You, you know, folks should be jealous they're not in these leagues. But uh, we had one where it just whacked out. I think it's because we we're you you done these enough, you know, like the coach XP. Uh, The experience points you give you add people in, it gets really wonky. So you have to have 12 people that are, like, committed to it. And we had one that that totally crapped on us. But, yeah, man, the servers have scared us, like, three or four times. If they go down before we get the new one, there will be a a very small, esoteric group of humans that get pissed about this thing.
1: Yeah, what's interesting is ever since that little scare, because I remember it was, like – it, it was, you it, it was weird cause it was like every Friday for uh, several weeks, it was like for over a month, the servers would go down and then there was like those, it was like two or three times where they were down for like, um you know, where it was like, you know, hours and hours or that one day where it was down like the whole day and there'd been all those uh, rumors that they were going to, uh, I forget the term in the video, I think it's sunset yeah, the servers. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, uh, yeah, that they were going to sunset the servers of, of, of those, you know, which you know, now we're, we're two systems behind present. So like, you know, some people would be like, well, yeah, sunset, you know, who cares? Well, we care because we care. we're still playing on them. And so like, you know, those days, those were dark days. Cause it was like, Oh no, like it, it the day has arrived, you know, that they're going to kick us off. And you know, like, you know i love nca more than anything you know I, i've been playing the game since i was a kid i still play it literally every day in fact when i get off with you i'll probably play a game um but but like when when you can't play it online you know when you can't play it against really good play, especially when you played it for years playing against the computer it, it's no longer terribly interesting to me so like i have to play against you know other guys that that play it a bunch and so if the servers die we're all going to be in it's all going to be really tough. Yeah, you know, well, it's going to be that would be a tough time.
0: You're right. It's it, we we have talked about the idea of doing a 12 team conference because yeah, there are guys who have gotten good enough at it in our group where every game against the computer is a blowout, and we got the we got the sliders like jacked up where it's like QB accuracies at five. We put as many things against the user as possible, and there's still you just there are things that you can defeat because it's an outdated. Uh, whatever physics system or whatever, and and uh the recognition and coverage and stuff, you can you can you can jump it pretty easily. You're right. I've I've th- we do a bunch of different conferences so that we have some intrigue and in, like conference championship games and then BCS games. But like I thought, getting a 12 team SEC would be like an awesome thing. You know, it would be uh it'd be a really you- fun thing because you could play a user game every week.
1: Yeah. So we've done that. We've done, we've done, you know, with a specific conference or what our favorite thing is now is we do, we'll do a draft. And so like, you know, you have your different parameters, you know, you say you know, three star teams, but you know, between, you know, X and X overall, or, you know, sometimes we've done the one star, you know, where there's only like 11, 12, you know, whatever. But then, you know, you do the draft and then you move all the teams into the, into the conference. And, you know, if you, for instance, you move into the SEC, if, you know, in both these games, you're capped at 12 users for people out there that, that don't know this, that you I can't hope they not have more than that. 12. Cause the, the, I would yeah. hope they
0: mend it in the next one because Madden. Lets well, you yeah. 32 if anyone's teams. listening
1: for me, Hey, you and better amend that. Um, yeah. Like what I want is I don't want any cap on it. I want, you know, if there's a, the 130 FPS teams, I want a capability for 130 people in the dyno. I don't see why that should be an issue. I agree. You know? I agree. I, well, I was uh, I was curious about
0: it because we've kind of done the same one. And you so you guys draft and then you move them into the same conference? You pick your school and move in?
1: Exactly. And then, you know, like, you know, we might keep, you know, if we're doing the SEC and we want to keep it at 14, you know, maybe we, we keep Alabama on one side and, you know, LSU we put on the, you know, whatever. Sure. And then we, you know, we'll, we'll do it like that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other thing we'll do is is over two conferences because um, then you can retain um, obviously a, a much better shot at the national title and stuff like that but the um, the the ingrained uh, user versus user games it becomes so much easier um, you know I mean for sure when when you're in the same conference because then it, it takes care of itself but when you're you're you know it's just over two it's really easy to do uh, like a rolling uh, sort of round Robin mm-hmm. non-conference non-con- thing, especially cause we got, <clears throat> we got some real nerds in our, in our, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge nerd, you know, with the, the, some of this stuff, but like these guys, you know, some of these guys that do other jobs, you know, with the, the computers are real good and they, 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 they'll they figure out the matrix of like who plays who and what year. And, and all I got to do is give them the buys and they, they feed them all into the thing. And then, they show me every single week where it'd be a possibility to put the non-cons, you know, for each specific, you know, one or whatever. Um, Cause initially like one of the issues we, we I don't know if you've ever done this. You try to schedule the non-cons over, over two conferences and then you can't jive the numbers exactly right. You can't get the schedule exactly right. Yep. Cause the, the team's buys will be, you know, different. And so even if you swap it, you want to give everyone the same amount of user games, you know, you don't want to make it uneven or whatever. And so, but then you can't drive the schedule, you, you know what I'm saying? So oh like, yeah. We have we, been lo- we've been down a lot of a lot of long roads, but uh, yeah, we we definitely have fun with it. And, and my favorite thing is to draft like the the lower teams, you know. Like we we've started with like four stars, but like there's one that we do a, a really long running one that we do where I'm UNC. Um, but outside of that, almost every other one that we do, it's you know a one or a two star one. I, I just find those ones so much more compelling because first of all, it's then it actually becomes fun. Like in the, the initial couple of seasons when you're playing Heisman against, you know, against the computer, like, cause you know, I'm really, really, really good at that game. Um, but on Heisman as a one-star team, like when you're playing at Ohio state, um, I need to be locked in the entire time. Like no one can be in the room. No one can be talking to me. Like, uh, I gotta be locked in. Cause any mistake you make, You're done. Oh yeah. Like you know, any mistake at all that you make on offense, it's it's going to be a turnover or a negative play. So you just have to like you know concentrate so much or whatever. Um, But that's what I like to do, and then and then build those those schools up. Also, the thing that I'm best at at NCA is is recruiting. Like I'm I I've figured out some things over the years. I've I've gone really really deep, and I've I've got some tricks that even savages in my league have not figured out yet. So so I'm always finishing at the top of the. The recruiting rankings so you know i i like when the, the there's the squat hat like, the, you
0: know, four five the, six there's the squat one uh for the for the interior guys to find those gems that's that's uh i think that might be a that's a big one. one yeah and and it, you know what none of your friends interior, are listening guys. to this pod you got to share these none of your friends are listening to this one
1: well, I, I, I will never disclose the the biggest one I got on recruiting because I, I haven't told a soul of that and I won't because you know it's like once that gets out you know it's then everyone will know and I the guys in my league they 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 cannot um, but yeah sorting by by squat you know for sure the interior guys but also athletes um, you know it, you know you get a lot of the the gems uh, off of those you know at that one as well um, and then you know JUCO um this becomes less important once you have a juggernaut of a program you don't need to you know recruit any jucos but like early on um there's a higher preponderance of um you know gems that are jucos as Mm -hmm. well so it's like those are two buckets um you know doing it by the squat and doing it by the you know the um you know looking for some of the jucos that got overlooked in the first couple weeks or whatever and then the other thing i'll say for anyone out there um here here's my most important things for 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 recruiting is you gotta cut bait first of all you gotta know when to cut bait and you gotta you gotta be you know cut bait early you know like when basically every time that i that i can no longer see a clear path i'm out that second i don't waste any more points on on that player the the whole recruiting thing it's just a math game Every single week, you and your opponents, you all get, you know, whatever it is, 6,000 points, whatever. And then, you know, you, you can all go up to a max of 700 on, on the guy. You also know where you are in terms of the position, you know, of, of the top schools, whatever. You also have information on, this is very helpful, the arrows on what happened last week. And so if, if I'm at a school and I go 700, I give a kid a 700 burger and I see the red arrow going down, I'm out of there. That's it. Because like the, the other team, whoever is above me, you know, who you know, whatever. It's a team that has a capability of going to 700, you know, because the lower you, you need. This is extra nerdy, but you have to have three uh, coaching tree. Uh, you know, you have to have the full level up to get to 700 uh, points a week on a, on a kid or whatever. But the bigger programs, of course, have that. And so, you know, when you have a bigger program that gets on a kid, they'll have the higher bonuses, too. Um, the weekly bonuses, you know, that have to do with program prestige or, you know, the, you know, television exposure, um, these various things. And so, you know, you know, in, in any given week, you know, especially early on, though, when I, I see that I have lost ground while while going all out, I just naturally know, OK, so you know, I, it was down 15 and I can look up, see what their, you know, what their bonus points were per week, what mine are. And, and it, you know, the it, it almost always makes, okay. It's a discrepancy of 45. I dropped 45. So they, you know, it's 700. You can just do it in your head going forward. Okay. So week three, n- now they're going to be up 135. And then in you know week four, it's going to be 170. There's no way you win that recruit. There's just no world. And, and a lot of people in that game, they just waste a ton of points. Like, going after these five stars that they, that they have no shot, you know, at or whatever. So, you know, the first thing is, is cut the bait real quick. And the second thing is, um, use, is is scout the shit out of the board is, is, is the other thing. Use a lot of your points on, on scouting. It seems counterintuitive in the early weeks to, to, um, be, be giving a lot of points to scouting instead of giving it to the recruits because you would think you want to, uh, jump out to a lead. Um, but the, first of all, there's a lot of undiscovered uh, talent out there, uh, number one. And number two, there's a real value to even being on your board in a given week because whatever bonus points you have for that player, they get that from you each week, whether you give them points or not. And so if you merely just spend the first couple weeks populating your board with 35, you know, like, you know, I – for, for me you know any season there, there's you know i have like a threshold cut off like you know usually with new teams it's like 70 you know after scouting if they're below a 70 I just cut them i don't care um, and then you know anyone above 70 they can stay you know until you know the, the the math starts to not work you know with another team whatever how much I'm pursuing um and so you know the the initial weeks i just i, I cut a lot of guys off my board because I, I i don't have a shot at them anymore i, I want to see a very clean top school Thing. I either want to see my green thing, you know. I, I always want to see my green arrow going up. And then, if I'm not pursuing the kid, I want to see that the that there's no other teams on him. That everyone else, you know, that you know, whatever. Like it's just I moved up and no one else did anything. Um, otherwise, I'm moving on, like I said. And then I just scout, 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 scout. And then I'll I'll take them off my board. I'll, I'll go and get more guys. Scout, scout, scout. I'm looking for. I, I'll sort by the squats. You know, like we said before. Um, I'll, I'll start by the forties, um, you know, and then I'll, you know, later, like week two or three, I'll start adding more of the, the, the JUCOs. Um, but yeah, initially I'm just trying to, um, scout all them because, you know, then you fill it with, you know, even if you start out with Akron, if, if you, you know, if you fill your board week one, you have 35 guys on there that are 70 or above. Even if you're not able to put a singular point on one prospect, if you find 35 guys, you know, especially if they're in that, you know, a a lot of guys that are in that three-star recruiting range, there's a bunch of them that aren't going to get pursued at all. And so not only, you know, it's that is great. And then that also allows you a ton of flexibility with other prospects because you can then put a bunch of points on them when you need to, um, you know, and you can pursue the other guys slower because they're not getting interest. But if you don't have that foundation of your board, like from the very start, you're screwed. You, you know, you're just doing the thing where you're, you're throwing points away every single week on these propositions that you can get, as opposed to doing that, the you know, you, two weeks of throwing it away on a kid that's 1400 points. Why not just spend that 1400 uh, week one and week two scouting, you know, you, you get, cause it's 50 points, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's 28, you know, you just, you just scouted through an essentially a full board right there. Um, Anyway, that's my advice. <laughs> that's the deep
0: dive, man. If you're still listening to this, you probably love this shit like I do too. It's, it's, uh, it's good advice. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, last thing is, I'm optimistic about. I'm sure you've seen the CFB revamped group and what they've done, uh, putting together oh, new I got, uniforms. I've, dude,
1: I've had every update. I, I got the newest one right now. Every time it comes out, I know what day it is. My my dinos. We talk about it. We we decide what what day does everyone have to have the new thing by because if, if someone has the old version and then someone gets the new one, then the game won't you know they can't get on the same thing
0: oh, but dude so like you guys need... have you guys have all tricked out your system to have
1: that and then everybody We've all done it and everybody is it an easy process? Oh yeah, yeah. you just need you need like uh, it's, it's like an hour and a half hour and a half to two hours and you might need a little patience like there's a couple times with it where you know I had to like watch the YouTube video again but it's not that difficult. Um, you just need like a thumb drive. Um, you're going to download a couple files off the internet and then, uh, you know, it, it has something to do with the, you, you know, you put it into your um, PlayStation or whatever, and then they give you instructions on how to do that. Uh, and then you have to like download something in the, uh, I think on the PlayStation itself. Um, and so like you go into the web thing, um, but it's just like, it's stuff like that, you know, it's like, um, It's just following instructions is all, you know, if you have, but you're going to need like an hour and a half block of time where that's all you're doing. Yeah. We've talked about it, but we haven't been sure like if it would wreck everything. But if you're saying
0: if everybody does it and everybody stays updated, there's never been an issue.
1: Huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we have noticed, um, we've noticed a couple more, uh, like black screens at the end, just a couple, um, but like you know, by and large, like the the play experience of it is so much better. The the you know the jerseys they they put the new schools in. Like they put in, um, well I, you know new school, but like they they put in uh, Coastal Carolina, which wasn't in the original game. They put in uh, Appalachian State, and uh, I think it was Georgia Southern, and uh, one other team. Uh, they added one other team. Georgia uh, Southern.
0: I can't think of it. I forget my head either.
1: Yeah. But, but they took out, it was like, they took out uh, uh UMass, Idaho, um, uh New Mexico state and, you know, and then one other team that didn't play um, this, you know, th- th- this past year, I'm forgetting that there was one other team that didn't play, but anyhow. Um, yeah, man. Like, you know, get, you know, th- the new teams is like super dope, you know, again, like, never played with those teams, and like with uh coastal carolina you get to play on that you know teal field it was kind of cool yeah um and then you know just like the the graphics are all different and especially with this game that was sort of a a breath of fresh air i'll, I'll keep playing until the end you know like i'm one of those you know like if you, people seem like a documentary like that you know some of them sicko old guys that play like pac-man they, they're like world-class <laughs> pac-man players and it's like you know, how the fuck could this guy just play Pac-Man for like years? He just stared at the screen and Pac-Man, but like, that's what I do with NCAA. You know, it's like, it's, it's actually really no different. Um, But like, you know, the fact that there had not been an update even to the, you know, to, I mean, to the game itself. Right. So I was like, you know, I mean, since, you know, it it was NCAA 14, but that game, that that wasn't released in 14. That was released in, in, I think it was either June or July of, Thirteen, and so we've had that game now for what's that eight years? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and so finally being able to like, you know, it's like the same graphics, the same everything. um And so these guys, you know, they spruced it up, you know, and they put like a little two forty seven recruiting logo, like in the the recruiting thing, like you know, just a couple of cool things, like the the intro video. You know, it's like got like Trevor Lawrence and you know, like you know, different stuff like that. Like it's you know, they, they did a bunch of cool stuff. So it's. You know, it, it's, it doesn't quite replace getting a new game. You know, nothing's going to replace that day. That day is, you know, that's – for me, that's going to be like, you know, the, the people talk about like the Messiah coming down day. That's, <laughs> that's going to be just south of that for me. It's like it, it actually came back, you know. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it will have been a decade, you know. Yeah. Um, but in, in, until that point, you know, having things like the updated rosters and the revamp, um, you know, on a fully functioning server, th- those can tide us over.
0: Yeah, I think there's a group of us this age that that are really going to be like, I might take a week off of work, kind of thing, because it's like I missed it. You miss it that much, and and I'm just being interested. I have some nephews here in high school. How they, how that younger generation who went without it, how they, how excited they are to play it, or or if they catch us on and all that stuff, will be fascinating. But I loved that the Revamp group. Too, I watch them. I've never done the download, but like. I've been so fascinated with how well they've done like every detail how well they've done and and uh it was really cool to see that ea has welcomed them in because they should if some guys are doing it this well you should welcome them in it's just silly not to
1: yeah yeah I, yeah I, like you know you're talking like wizard level stuff like oh, they, fantastic. they actually changed the game like I, I don't even know how you would change a video game. like it's it's yeah, pretty it's mind blowing. It's way
0: over my head, but it's awesome. Everything. If you're still, like I said, listening and you're into this stuff, and you you pay to go check it out, they're on Instagram, and they give you like like uh, like Thor said, there's instructions for how to trick out your old Xbox or PS uh, PS3 to. To, to put it on your system. Just if you're in an online dynasty, make sure the rest of your group does it like, uh, like I'm going to talk to my guys about tonight. So uh, this is, we got out in the weeds, man, but that's okay. I'll, I'll make a, uh, I'll make a note of this for people that are interested in this game. So uh, this is great though. I I couldn't thank you more. He's on, he's Thor. He's at uh, Thor. Is it Thor KU on Twitter? Is that, tell me right where right. they can find yep. you.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thor or T H O R K U. And then my uh, work at NBC sports edge, um on the uh, college football and nfl draft section uh most recently i put up the uh afc and nfc udfa class rankings which was a lot of fun to write I, I was like uh going through the you know really going through the weeds you know with that sort of stuff so uh check that out as well all right this is great i
0: will link to uh, where they can find your work in the bio of this uh will be the summary of this podcast so thor thanks again man we really appreciate your time
1: yeah. Good to be on with you, Jake.
0: Okay. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again to Thor for coming on. Apologize if you weren't into the NCAA stuff and you stuck around for that somehow. That's uh, that's obviously greatly appreciated. It's an exciting thing for me. I'm, I'm a nerd in that regard. So uh, it was fun to talk to Thor about that and get his perspective on the draft. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, rate, review all that fun stuff uh, on, on this podcast as well and check out our shows on the OBR. The OBR Weekly which has Fred Lane and Barry who do a great job uh you know with their with their weekly show that's on 7 to 8 Tuesday nights. You can always check that out on the YouTube channel and then uh as well make sure you uh go back and check out the rookie deep dives that we did part 1 and part 2. Great insights on all of the uh, all all the players. So it was um it was it was a really fun thing to do to talk to all those people about those players, who they are personally. That kind of stuff is interesting to me. So hopefully you go out and check that out. It's just recently posted a couple days ago. So uh, sorry again about not having a live stream tonight. Uh, This is if you're listening to this, which will be your your Wednesday morning. We did not have an opportunity to do so moving a lot of things around at the house and couldn't get away from it, but was able to record a quick interview. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. We have a good guest. And that's a wrap for this episode. Until we talk next time, hopefully through live stream. Go Browns.